0: I suggest to all my followers you guys make set an appointment and get the vaccine first thing psych.
1: Hi, I'm Madison Malone Kircher, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. Uh, if you notice Rachel's not in that intro today, that's because Rachel's on vacation. Hell yeah, we love taking PTO. Seriously, take your PTO. It's good for your brain. Which means we are graced with the one and only infamously Canadian Sachi Cole, a senior writer at BuzzFeed News. Sachi, hello. Welcome back. Oh, if you call me infamously
2: Canadian, people are going to be so disappointed when they find out I'm rude. That's why I did it. (laughs) Thank you for having me.
1: You're very welcome. In writing your intro, initially, I did have you as infamously Canadian and infamously rude. But then I thought that would be rude.
2: Well, but it's buyer beware then, you know? Everyone knows what they're getting. (laughs) Caveat emptor. Everybody knows what they're getting.
1: So we have plans to talk about a whole bunch of stuff on the show today. But first, we simply must talk about the fact that like six minutes ago, OnlyFans announced it is torpedoing its business model by effectively banning porn on a platform built on porn. I mean, investors are really afraid of their dicks, I guess. (laughs)
2: It's the only it's the only explanation. I mean, that whole company has been built off of providing sex workers a place for them to do their jobs. And now they're going to pretend like it's some vile shame. It's it's humiliating for them. I hope they're humiliate. Maybe they have a a humiliation kink. I don't know. Ooh.
1: (laughs) I just people keep comparing it to when Tumblr banned porn, which obviously was a big uh, problem for Tumblr. But that's not quite drastic enough. Tumblr had other stuff going for it. This is, this is, I just uh, saw somebody on Twitter be like, this is like if Pizza Hut said, starting October 1st, we no longer sell pizza.
2: (laughs) Well, I guess that they, I guess maybe they think they can operate off of like people selling nothing more gratuitous than like foot pictures, which maybe they can, but I don't know how sustainable that business model is in in the long term.
1: I guess we will just have to uh, wait and see what OnlyFans auto-cancellation looks like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that beautiful transition gets us <laughs> to uh, the thing we were actually going to talk about at the top of the show. Jeffrey Tubin, a uh, former New Yorker writer, is back at CNN as their chief legal analyst just months after getting busted, jerking it on a work Zoom. Uh, someone remind me how getting canceled is real and that it has consequences. Allow me to say, Madison, who amongst us?
2: Who amongst us hasn't done that at work? I, for one, assume most of the time when
1: you and I are on calls like these, you are doing something nefarious. I am. In fact, despite the fact that you can see both of my hands and most of my body at this point, like the nefarity, is that a word? The nefariousness is a foot. I mean, it might be your foot. You can't see my foot.
2: Yeah. See, that's a good joke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Rachel's going to kill me when she hears this. Yeah, it's pretty bad. (laughs) It's it's very bad. (laughs) Continue on the train of, like, let's just talk about cursed things while Rachel's out of town. We're going to spare her a topic that uh, behind the scenes we at ICYMI have discussed, discussing for quite some time now. Chet Hanks. Chet Hanks. The titular Chet Hanks. Chet Hayes. (laughs) Chet Hayes. uh, Who is also back at it again, despite his uh, documented trail of behavior that in theory should also have been enough to make him finally just hush.
2: You know, there there was a moment there where he was really in the sun. I feel like, you know, at the beginning of COVID, he was like the voice of reason. I found him very soothing.
0: What's up, everyone? Um, yeah, it's true. My parents got coronavirus. Crazy. Um, they're both down in Australia right now because my dad was shooting a movie down there. Um, but I just got off the phone with them. Uh, they both are fine. They're not even that sick. They're not worried about it. They're not tripping, but they're going through the necessary health precautions, obviously.
2: He was talking about his parents having COVID and being like, listen, it's okay. Because there were all these like QAnon paranoid conspiracy theories coming out at the same time, right? Because they all think that like Tom Hanks is leading these like pedophile rings. And he was such a soothing force. And um, th- th- boy, things got dark real fast.
0: I suggest to all my followers, you guys make set an appointment and get the vaccine first thing. Psych! Bitch! If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I never had COVID. You ain't sticking me with that motherfucking needle. It's the motherfucking flu. Get over it, okay? If you're sick, stay inside. I'm tired of having, okay? Why are we working around y'all? If y'all, uh, if you're in danger, stay your ass inside. I'm tired of wearing a motherfucking mask.
1: That's actually what we're going to get into on the show today. Cancellations are not real. This we know. Uh, but why aren't they real? And the answer is, as most things in this life, uh, money, especially when it comes to online personalities like a Chet Hanks or even, say, the Trisha Paytas, whom uh, Saatchi profiled recently and uh, came to the conclusion, among many conclusions, that Paytas is simply too rich to fail at this point, unless, you know, maybe the IRS comes calling. That might do the trick. Uh, We're going to get into all of that, starting with Mr. Hanks. As you've mentioned, Saatchi, you're on the record as a, a... fan an apologist
2: i i I was merely a woman looking for joy in a joyless world
1: and i thought it sounded like y'all ready for this and it was supposed to be love in a hopeless place it was not good
2: (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know where you were going
1: y'all ready for this
2: yeah i was like is this like a basketball halftime show i'm really excited
1: my apologies to rihanna um
2: He was just he's it's just, you know, sometimes it's fun to look at someone who's like rich and goofy and just be like, this is harmless entertainment. But very quickly, the harm becomes clear and it has become
1: clear, I feel like. So we're dancing around some specifics here uh, because this is Sachi's first time in the guest host chair. And I think uh, it's only right that we. Properly, Chet haze her as a co-host. It's time for a high-speed download. High-speed download is a game we play here on ICymi, where Rachel and I, but today Sachi get sixty seconds to explain an internet thing to one another. Today, that thing is Chet Hanks. Be ready. How are you feeling? I'm stressed. I'm stressed out. <laughs> this is stressful. <laughs> All right, you have one minute on the clock. On your mark. Get set, go. Okay, Chet
2: Hanks goes by Chet Hayes because he's a white rapper like everybody is apparently. He's the son of Tom Hanks. You know which Tom Hanks I'm talking about. The one from Castaway, which is a movie that scared the hell out of me. Meg Ryan uh, really wanted him very badly in a lot of movies. That is perplexing to me now as an adult. Okay, anyway, Soldier Boy just signed him. Uh, He is, again, a white rapper, not unlike the cinnamon toast shrimp in My Cereal Guy, who is also a white rapper. Weird theme on this podcast. He's an anti-vaxxer, even though both of his parents very famously got covid spent the last few months talking about white boy summer as if white boys don't have enough but it was a lot about promoting the swirl agenda no salmon shorts no sperry topsiders just one tight black t-shirt loves to rip off black culture namely speaking in patch on the red carpet and on instagram there have also been allegations of violence from his former partner and last spring she got a protective order against him and he sucks he sucks he sucks damn (laughs) You think I can't be rude to a white man in one minute? You think I can't do that? <laughs> I am
1: impressed. Well done. Thank you. We usually at the end of these, you get one more sentence to explain anything you might not have fit in. I but don't need to fit in. You don't. I, however, am gonna take your sentence. <laughs> okay. Because if Rachel were here, graduate of Northwestern University, that she is, she would want us to mention <laughs> That Chet Hanks also attended Northwestern University and very infamously released a cover parody, a parody of Black and Yellow, entitled White and Purple. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. you know what it's been. White and purple, white and purple, white and purple, white and purple. Yeah, uh-huh. you know what it's been. White and purple, white and purple, white and purple, white and purple.
1: Yeah. Americans really, really care about the schools they went to. They do. The additional twist in the white and purple saga is that uh, a few weeks prior, a black student at Northwestern had released his own parody entitled White and Purple. Oh, so Chet just picked that up himself, huh? <laughs> That's nice yes. of him. We are, we are stuck with Chet Hanks, despite all of that behavior. Much like we are stuck with Trish Paytas, uh, who you spent a fair amount of time with in person yeah so last
2: may i flew to la and i went to trish's uh enormous enormous sprawling mansion in a gated community in los angeles obviously i'm gonna need to know
1: everything about that and uh we're gonna get into all the uh bedazzled details i'm envisioning something in the house is bedazzled and we're gonna get into it after the break Thanks so much for listening to our show. If you're a new listener, welcome. We love our listeners old and new equally, just like your parents told you and your siblings, except we actually mean it. If you found us through a playlist, you might not know, but we actually do two episodes a week. So make sure you subscribe and you can hear our next episode out on Wednesday. It's a bit of an internet culture throwback, all about Coney 2012. And in the meanwhile, you can always check out last Wednesday's episode, which answers the question... Is it legal that this man is selling human bones on TikTok? Spoiler alert, not really.
2: Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card?
0: With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night.
1: Okay, we are back. The last time we talked about Trisha Paytas, we gave you guys, our listeners, just a bit of a primer about YouTube's uh, premier professional troll. This is a person who at one point said they identified as a chicken nugget? Chicken wing? Chicken nugget. Chicken nugget. Chicken nugget. They uh, had very dramatically, last we spoke about them, quit Frenemies, a mega successful podcast with fellow online creator Ethan Klein. We also said that Paytas would probably be back in the not too distant future and uh, on their bullshit, which, well, we love to be right. Here we are. (laughs) Here we are. So we will obviously link your profile in the show notes and I have read it, but I would love to hear you describe what it was like being in Trish Paytas' house with them.
2: It's really fun. Like Trish leads an um, an amazing, crazy life. I mean, it's sort of like when you're little and somebody asks you, like, if you had all the money
1: in the world, what would you do? Trampoline and, in the middle of my living room.
2: Right. You you say like crazy. But fun things. You're like the dining room is gonna be like themed after Beetlejuice and the living room's gonna be the little mermaid, and I'm gonna have all these clothes to play dress up in, and I'm gonna have a room full of makeup, and I'm gonna have all I can I can eat whatever I want. I'm gonna have
0: takeout every night. So we are doing a Beetlejuice dining room, but it's not like tacky theme. We're actually like recreating the dining room set from the Dietz, Dietz's house, which is really exciting. There's the third one, so it's a work in progress, so right now... This is and it's like, like
2: when you to tell to that to the adults, they're like, sure, house, kid, whatever. Kind of Trish house, lives yeah. that life at 33. Like, they really have built a life and a way of living that feels like a carnival. So you walk into this into this mansion, and they were just moving in when I visited. They had barely unpacked any boxes, but they were starting to set up, and you could see, like, their fiancé is, is building... Um, Furniture, custom made furniture. So everything's big and opulent and beautiful and weird. <laughs> like there's <laughs> giant chandeliers in every room, and there's so much Disney paraphernalia. I could not get over how much Disney stuff is in their house. And like two giant cabinets that are filled, filled with like bedazzled cups and hey, bottles. Hey,
1: I was right. You were right. I was right. You were right. It got we I got knew there. There would be there would be rhinestones. stuff. Of course
2: there is. Yeah. And it's it's just it's a it's a level, it's like an amount of stuff that i f- I found so overwhelming. And I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with them. I really liked them. I left feeling uh convinced that they you know were done trolling they told me like you know I don't want to troll anymore I think it's not really the way I want to live my life and I I have a change in my priorities and you know my mental health has been taken care of better in the last few years than it has in my whole life and I left feeling like okay all right I believe you and I do think some of what they told me was accurate but I don't think they can help themselves but get into these fights and then I ended up being in it which was a surprise.
1: So, Saji, you published this profile, and you, you, you knew. This wasn't like, oh, what a surprise. I have published this profile, and Trish is mad, and the internet has feelings.
2: No, I mean, because people were upset at me before. So a month before we published uh, the profile of Trish, we also published one on Gabby Hanna. And, and Gabby
1: and Trish really dislike each other. How would you describe who Gabby Hanna is in... You don't get a minute, you get a sentence...
2: A uh, longtime YouTuber who is uh, generally and widely hated for a variety of reasons that vary from the reasonable to the unreasonable. I've been feeling a lot of anxiety and actually starting this video, I was feeling very intense anxiety. You could probably see it on screen because I literally have to talk about the Trisha shit because it's wrong. It feels like it doesn't stop. Trisha kind of started where everything really felt the fuck off. It was a lot.
1: And so you write this profile about Gabby Hanna and Trish mm. asks to not be referenced in it. Is that correct? So Trish uh, uh, had asked me earlier to keep what they
2: had told me off the record that, you know, I I said okay to that after Mm -hmm. the fact. And then they also wanted to not be mentioned in the piece at all, which wasn't possible. So we agreed on a non on a no comment. And that's what I put in the piece. But uh, Trish later got really upset that their name was even in the article It would be really hard not to put Trisha's name in the article because they've had so many arguments and it has become this like linchpin to Gabby's career on YouTube Um, and continues to be because they still kind of float in the same circles and, you know, they still talk about each other. You know, uh, Trish just did um, Tana Mongeau's uh, podcast called
1: Cancelled uh, (laughs) and talked about Gabby there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of doing other podcasts, Trish, uh, did you listen to Trish on Keem's podcast? I I didn't no, I didn't. <laughs> uh, understandably uh, I could imagine you wanting to sort of disengage from this world because the reaction was not reaction is probably a too tame of a word to describe <laughs> what the internet does when they do not like coverage of an internet star. Yeah
2: it, it's it's funny how impossible it feels to to talk about these people because their audience is so angry. And they also fundamentally don't understand how journalism works. So they very much feel that if somebody tells you something, you're supposed to take it at face value. Or if somebody says they don't want to be uh, mentioned in something, you're just supposed to say okay. And that's because these people cover themselves. They report on themselves all the time. They they give that information up and then they become really uncomfortable when a third party comes in and, and asks questions in a different way. And, um, you know, I think I think honestly, Trish was worried before the piece came out that it wasn't going to be kind to them. And it you know, that wasn't really the intention. But obviously, their reaction was so outsized. And the reaction from their audience was
1: so outsized that we had to talk about it. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the reaction from the audience to to as much as you're comfortable. Obviously, I know that's a lot.
2: Well, after so after the Gabby piece went up, I all of my social accounts just got throttled by people who were really angry with me. And most of them were angry with me on behalf of Trisha. They were trying to dox me. They were you know, threatening me. People were uh, making fun of how I looked. They were talking about how I was a diversity hire at BuzzFeed, which honestly, if they wanted to make a diversity hire, they're like far less annoying people to hire in those roles. (laughs) Uh, But I generally, it just, it was overwhelming, but not really something I hadn't done before. So I was very aware of the whims, even though it was super uncomfortable and a little nerve wracking. So I ended up having to deactivate my Twitter and I had to go private on Instagram and just sort of, you know, leave the internet for a few weeks until it died down. Uh, And then I came back and then we wrote the <laughs> the Trishan. Did it all over again? Did it all over again. The reaction wasn't as severe, partly because we kind of I think people kind of get it out of their systems. And so at that point, you know, there's already a subsect of that audience that thinks I'm full of shit. There's nothing I can do about that. And then there's other people who maybe sort of realized that there were there's more details that they were missing in their anger. Um but yeah, so I did it twice. Um Trish has, you know, made uh, some content using my name. I'm I, you know, I, I finally am in a YouTube video from a YouTuber who's upset with me.
1: <laughs> you pointed out something that I I think about a lot when we talk about Internet celebrities is that like back in the olden times, there was this like good old fashioned symbiosis between press and celebrity. Like I am the barnacle yeah. on the whale or the anemone in the clownfish. That's one, you know, like we, they needed, they, celebrities needed press to make them celebrities to yeah. take photos of every Dunkin Donuts iced coffee Anna de Armas consumed in the year 2020. And it like, We cover celebrity, but somebody like Trish Paytas or Chet Hanks, for that matter, like they generate their own content. They are their own coverage. They are their own beat reporter. And the beat is Mm -hmm. themselves. But it also means that the the information they provide is inherently slanted. Yeah, there was a really great piece about this in uh, study hall uh, earlier this month from Kate Lindsay called Journalist and Phantoms Collide, Everyone Loses, uh, which you were interviewed for. Mhm. Talking about exactly this, right? How it's these YouTubers who cover themselves don't take it super well when they're faced with any sort of interrogation, which is
2: yeah, I mean, the, I think the thing that's the most frustrating for me is is a lot of the content creators and then also their fans will sort of co-opt the language of abuse to talk about what journalists are doing to them. So, if you ask somebody a question about something they have for example already revealed in a YouTube video, that's that to them is tantamount to harassment. Uh to send a fact-checking email is tantamount to harassment, to stalking. So, that language to get perverted that way is so it's so frustrating and it's I mean, I f- obviously personally find it insulting, but it's just an, it's insulting in a lot of ways because those are real things that can happen. And, and when you use that language over a fact checking email, it, it sort of takes some of the power away, which I think is a shame.
1: And those emails can be can be overwhelming to receive. Right. You're facing like a wall of factual information. But also for somebody like Trish, who does get spoken about wrong, not in fr- mm-hmm. it's the Internet, like for as often as their fans get it right rumors and crap like that fly so fast all the time like this is a moment to to reclaim your own narrative and confirm or deny but instead you know you're a scum pig well they did it in the way that they wanted to do it
2: which was on youtube because i don't have a mechanism to hit back on that platform i'm not on youtube and i don't really care to be and i'm also mm-hmm. not a youtuber so i'm also not going to respond in the way that a creator would because i am a journalist and i have a different code of conduct than they do
1: Yeah, there is an interesting, you know, we talk about like one can punch up and one can punch down, but your source, I'm thinking about I, are you familiar with the curvy wife guy? Yes. Oh, yeah. I love my (laughs) curvy wife. Yeah. Yes. So this is a man who went viral, God, years ago now for an Instagram post just being like, I love my curvy wife. He was
2: trying so hard, but it was so condescending. And also she was like... So much hotter than him. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, he basically was saying, I love my conventionally hot wife. Yeah. Uh, But in spite of her being hot, I still love her for being (laughs) hot. Like he was trying to make it seem as if like it was brave.
1: He so he goes viral for this post in which he's like, I was bullied as a teen for loving curvy girls and like I just, you know, loving his wife. Anyway, he goes viral. I write an extremely dumb blog post about this and I do not think about him again until they announce that they are pregnant. So anyway, again, I read a very dumb blog post congratulating curvy wife and 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 baby, uh, which makes him very mad. Okay. And then And then one night, in a fever dream, I wake up to an email with the subject line reading, Opportunity of a Lifetime. He was in town and wanted to meet. <gasps> he was convinced that he told me, I don't think you'll you'll dislike me, maybe even said hate me as much as you think you do if we meet in person. So I am broken. And of course said, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely (laughs) You should 100%. It'll be on the record. Like, see you at this coffee shop. And we meet and we talk and we have, you know, a really interesting conversation. And I, at the end, I write a piece that he does not like. (laughs) He just like, you know, goes on Instagram stories and like posts slide after slide about how like, this is not he just he used all these like diminutive terms for me about how I was not like the ner- visibly nervous woman who it was just like, dude. <laughs> but I was like, I don't have an outlet to respond to that because I am, in fact, not Instagram famous. You are. And I think it's worth remembering, like, there's lots of
2: like conventional, like uh, conventionally famous people who also react really poorly to middling reviews or meek commentary mild commentary on them i mean just like think about how army hammer responded to Anne helen peterson when she wrote that piece about him for buzzfeed and now look at where we are with army with armand 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 yeah. hammer yeah like there's a lot like i think it's honestly in a lot of ways just about personality type can you handle criticism in that form and still feel like you know who you are. And some people
1: really can't. And that's those are the people who lash out. Totally. Curvy Wife Guy, though, his whole thing, and something I, I very much respected about him and still do is like he is very transparent about, like, this is about the dollars. I'm looking for the cash. I'm trying to make that sweet desert money. I wanna be a gajillionaire. And I wish more influencers and internet types would just talk about. <laughs> Money, money outright mm-hmm. I like I really respect that in him but also what I see this guy doing you talked about in this piece with Trish like amassing enough wealth that you can just fund your own creative empire forever which is yeah sort of what it seems like Trish is doing
2: yeah Trish is uh yeah Trish is like a big bank they're way too big to fail like they make they told me that they make $800,000 a month um And obviously, a a huge, huge portion of that they spend because they have so they have they have so many expenses. I mean, they just bought this big house. They have a mortgage. They buy a lot of stuff. They have multiple cars. They pay for their mom's mortgage. And then they also have a huge tax bill every month that they're very vigilant about paying (laughs) because they had this issue before. But that's a lot of money. And that's a lot of money that's made through fighting on the Internet and having these feuds and talking to people this way and going after people like this. I mean, it's it's commodified uh, pugilism and it works for them. And they're very
1: rich doing it. Did you just pull commodified pugilism from your brain stream yeah. of conscious? Yeah, bitch. I
2: own a thesaurus.
1: <laughs> well, look that up in your Funkin' Wagnalls.
2: Um <laughs> <laughs>
1: modified pugilism yeah
2: that's this what i wanted to say on my tombstone that's really
1: what i've been doing for most no. of my life too <laughs> unfortunately it's gonna be scum pig of the earth it's gonna be bust. scum
2: pig of the universe Rats. scum pig. sorry the universe I, I, scum pig I don't want to demote you thank you
1: so short of the irs uh knocking these people are just a part of our lives forever now yeah yeah i mean unless like the platforms decided they
2: wanted to deplatform them, which they won't. And, and in some cases, it's like, should they? I don't know. I don't I don't know if with with everybody, there's a big moral argument. I think certainly there have been those arguments with Trish. I mean, Trish has put out a lot of really offensive content uh, after 15 years on YouTube. But they have been demonetized before for for things. So it's happened. But unless the platforms really created infrastructure where they couldn't use it anymore, or unless the audience decides that these people aren't interesting, no, these are just like, fixtures that everybody just needs to accept are a part of their lives. I mean, I don't know, maybe you know, many, many moons ago, people were very offended by the idea of the people in movies becoming famous because the only thing they cared about was the theater. So I don't really think arrogance about like, oh my God, are people on the internet getting famous now for being on the internet? It's like, yeah, because it's a new form of communication, of course. That's what happens when lots of people can watch something at the same time. Um, but you know the fighting is where the money comes from
1: we'll be here to keep watching (laughs) if we're lucky
2: (laughs) if we're lucky all
1: right that is the show we will be back in your feed on wednesday please subscribe it's free and the best way to make sure you never miss an episode or a spontaneous performance of white and purple actually I can promise you if you subscribe you will never hear a spontaneous performance of white and purple ever again uh, leave us a rating and a review on Apple podcast tell your friends about us your college classmates about us you can follow us on Twitter we are at ICYMI underscore pod which is also where you can DM us your questions like why do you keep bringing up white and purple uh, you can also always drop us a note we are ICYMI at slate.com who knows we might just have you on the show ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. Forrest Wickman and Allegra Frank are our editors. Gabe Roth is editorial director of audio. And Sachi Cole is a senior culture reporter at BuzzFeed News. See you online. Or in a Trisha Paytas video. And I just have to ask. Y'all ready for this?
2: (laughs) Oh, you guys are dorks. You guys are like real dorks here. Yeah. Nobody that's told why, me that. That's why Rachel's on vacation. Yeah, clearly. She's like off trying to make some cool friends. <laughs>